What's going on, Sports Nation? Welcome to Game Breakers, the sports show where we will be breaking down news that's relevant in the sports world. It's your host, Edwin, and once again, guys, I am back again with some latest news and some analysis for this episode. Now, you know how things go. You know how things go with how we do it here at Game Breakers, man. Just simply, simply debating the news, analyzing the news, breaking down the news, and coming to a nice, formidable conclusion. Okay, now let's get into what I did today. Nothing. I didn't do anything today, actually, to be honest. Well, actually, you guys know how things go. Wednesday is hump day, hump day. But I went to the gym this morning, did my thing, came back home, did a little couple of things here and there, and fast forward, and now here we are. Now, once again, Will will not be joining us for this episode, as you can see, because I've been talking for some time now, but he will be back shortly sooner rather than later guys so just be patient here be patient anyways let's get into the business because i have a lot to say about these kind of topics and these news that is breaking so far now we're going to start off with dalvin cook dalvin cook another one of these stories of assaulting and physical abuse against women alleged stories at least but this one is something that is now being brought up so it happened back in November 2020 of last year. And his girlfriend, Gracelyn Tremble, I'm just going to give you guys a, a little short synopsis of what the whole idea is and what's going on. If you don't really know about Dalvin Cook and what happened, what took place between these two. So his girlfriend, or at least his former girlfriend at the time, uh, Gracelyn Trimble, filed a lawsuit accusing Cook of assault, battery, and false imprisonment. So she basically flew over to break up with Cook and get her belongings, and things just turned violent. It just did not go the way she planned, I guess. Um, She allegedly used mace on him, grabbed his gun, called for help, all of which led to Cook attacking her with a broomstick and giving her a concussion. And guys, if you saw the video, not the video, if you saw the picture of the screenshot between her and Dalvin Cook talking on Instagram, and you see the picture of her her face being bruised and she's like i can't go back to my family for thanksgiving because of how i look and david cook is apologizing he's like i'm sorry i'll take full full responsibility of what i did just come back home to me blah 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 all that nonsense um it's very it's very disturbing very troubling to see the bruised picture that she showed um and if he did did if he did do this um it's kind of very 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 troubling to see and once again another story of these athletes, I won't even say NFL players, but these athletes just doing uh, physical abuse and assaulting a woman who, in most cases, have been together with them in the past. But anyways, moving on to Cook's story via his attorney. She broke into his home with a stolen garage door opener, attacked him and his guest, and held them at gunpoint for hours. But no charges were filed at the time, and she basically made up a different story uh, once this event took place. And this is why now it's coming back into the surface that, okay, he did this to me and this is my evidence against him. Now, what I think about this is, folks, I'm going to be honest, I don't want to take sides when it's only alleged news, but I will say this regarding both of these two parties here. And I will start with Davin Cook. I never, never, ever, ever will condone the idea of beating a woman of physically assaulting her, physical abuse, whatever the case may be, I will never, ever condone that. Maybe unless, and it's rare, but unless, for a man's standpoint, it's a life or death situation, whereas if he's fighting for his life, let's be honest, people. Like, we know that not all people are good, not all people are bad, but there are some crazy people out there who, women included, are willing to do the most and you know, could take someone's life and their actions. You never know what what could happen. So that is probably the only way I could see an idea of him protecting himself and fighting back so at least he doesn't die. But in this case, it wasn't that, obviously. At least not from the news that we're getting from right now. Davin Cook, all I have to say is, if this could have been avoided with her not getting hurt, I would have definitely took that route because it just makes everything much more worse. Um, especially since, you know, she got a bruised face in the process. It's not looking too good right now for him, but, um, and it's also being a distraction for the Minnesota Vikings 
who are trying to get into a playoff push. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but it's not a good look for him. But I will say this regarding Dalvin Cook. If he is fully in the wrong, which I believe if he is in the wrong and he is proven guilty, then yes, any punishment that is to be allocated to Dalvin Cook should be given with full throttle. I mean, this guy should be punished for what he did. And I fully, fully back that decision to to give him whatever fines, whatever punishment, consequences that he may face in the future. But on the other hand, I will say this about my woman. Woman, please, please be careful. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Because this is not any joke that I'm about to make here. But when you look at Dalvin Cook's stature, you see a guy, he's big, he's tall, strong. You see his muscles. I mean, he's, he's in the NFL for a reason. You know, like he, he's getting hit by men constantly. So I say all this to say that please, please think about your actions and your words before you commit your actions, actually. Let's do that. Think about your words before you commit your actions. Because looking at her, I'm not sure her stature is and what how she looks, but I know it's not anything compared to Davin Cook. I know that for sure. Okay. So looking at that, you it's like a, a it's like a, a sense kind of thing where I know I'm not gonna be able to be him. And I know that in the past, listen, there's They've probably gone through a lot of things, obviously, you know, if it went to this point, but they probably went through a lot of things in the past as a relationship couple and her temper was probably enraged. She was just over it. Maybe Davin Cook was over it as well, too. But don't let your emotions get the better of you and make a bad decision that that could result in you being injured in that process. And as we can see, she sustained multiple bruises on her face and it just looked pretty bad it really did um hope she gets better but for the woman please it's one thing to provoke a man with words but it's another thing to provoke him with physical abuse and assaulting and hitting you know that's a whole different kind of ball game because i the man listen i'm not going to sit here and say once again that i condone the idea of beating a woman but in a man's standpoint, at least when he's trying to fight for his life, like Dalvin Cook is at this point, trying to fight against this case, he's going to say that if it's true that she did beat him or, you know, um, physically assaulted him, whatever the case may be, that was his excuse to hit her back. That's what he was going to say. As opposed to, well, if she used just words against him, well, then if he still hit her, that's a different story. Now, you're not supposed to hit her, a person at least I think you're not supposed to hit a person based off of words. Like that's just nonsense. Depending on the words, I don't want to get into the ifs and buts, but in this case, I, you know, if, if it was avoided, if it was possibly avoided to hit her, then I would have took that route, Davin Cook. But anyways, once again, if she is fully guilty, if she's convicted of doing that and her, and that part of the story is true via his agent, Davin Cook, then I also do agree with the idea of, you know, her suffering the consequences, whatever they may be against him, you know, as the court sees fit. Because I just don't see sometimes how it's it's a situation where we are automatically just gravitating towards one side, especially when it's alleged. You know, I, I don't want to do that just yet. Um, but once again, the man I am, I do feel for her if she did get beat, which I think she did because um, the, the, the story and the bruises look like the part they definitely do to be honest um but i hope she gets better and we will see as this whole situation goes on how this will play out i'm not sure exactly how they're going to get down to the bottom of this um and in the future when i become a sports journalist i'll be able to unlock it and see how things you know get done quickly in a fashion matter but right now Guys, I'm just a guy who's talking about this. <laughs> you know, I have to wait just like everyone else in regards to uh, how the situation will play out. But anyways, you know, we'll see how things goes. But it is still a distraction so far for the Minnesota Vikings, who, by the way, are in the playoff push. But like I said before, we will get to that in just a moment. Now, let's talk about some Monday Night Football. Steelers and Bears. Steelers and Bears. So the question is... Okay, so you guys, hopefully you heard what I said regarding 
the idea of how the Steelers would win the game, how the Bears win the game. For the Steelers, I said, run the football, run it down the Bears' throat, okay? Because they don't have a great defensive line as it stands right now. It's it's okay. It did all right last night. Um, had a, a couple like, last night, but it did all night. It did all, it did okay, uh, on Monday Night Football, and had a couple of pressures, uh, some sacks here and there. But overall, you would want to be able to run the football, and the Steelers did that of number sorts. You know, they didn't do that. So, how does a team that gets outgained a total of four hundred and fourteen yards to two hundred and eighty? win the football game the bears just made too many mistakes too many mistakes too many mistakes that were in my opinion kind of costly um but it wasn't so looking from the the from the game as a whole um even though some of these mistakes didn't really come back to bite them um it still in my opinion made a big significant turn in the game look at the interception by Justin Fields that was thrown wasn't really his fault. And it's a kind of the similar play that we were talking about with Sam Donald about the Jamie Collins pick where he just jumps and times the ball. He gets it. The ball is going, what, 90 miles per hour. He just jumps and gets it. And it's a great play by the linebacker. And Cameron, Cam Hayward, another great play. Once again, he tips the ball to himself. He catches it. Not really Fields' fault. But once again, it's a turnover. And that resulted in points for the Steelers. So at that point, it was 7 nothing. The turnover happens. It's now 14-0 when the Steelers get the ball back and they drive and they score a touchdown. So I say all this to say that the Steelers were good in areas that you need to be good in. They were perfect 3-3 or in the red zone. They won the turnover battle, and they held the ball longer. Steelers had a 34-minute cushion compared to the Bears' 25 minutes of holding the football that night. And also, the Bears had a combined 12 penalties for 115 yards. Not good at all. Not good at all. Now, we look at the Bears. Um, they kind of struggled a little bit on defense all night, and I say that because Big Ben did his job, which I was expecting him to do, put the ball in the right spots and let his receivers make the plays, the back shoulder throws to Johnson, um, you know, the nice catches here and there. And what a guy Pat Frymuth is. I mean, this guy has just burst onto the scene the last two weeks. He made a nice catch, the go-ahead touchdown, the go-ahead score and in Cleveland about a week ago against the Browns and he comes back and gets two touchdowns, two touchdowns. That's great. That is insane by him. He is now becoming a, a nice red zone threat for them. What was Ebron's job supposedly this season has now become Pat Frymuth's job. That's good, <laughs> but it also it's it's nice competition and it gives the Steelers much more depth at the position of tight end. Now, Ebron, whenever he comes back into the fold, he can make some plays. And we've already seen Pat Frymuth make some eye-popping plays. He made some good catches on Monday night. So now let's see if that continued progress can uh, go up for the Steelers in the future. And look at the Bears side of things. Um, even before I go to the Bears side, uh, I want to say Najee Harris did okay with the touchdown um, uh, drive on the 10-yard rushing touchdown that he had. He had 62 yards. Not too bad. Um, but for the Bears, now we get to the Bears. And might I say, Justin Fields is getting into a groove. He is a baller. I mean, 17 of 19, 17 of 29, sorry, 291 yards, one touchdown, and obviously the freakish pick by um, Cam Hayward. But he did his job. He did his job, and he also had some good help from the rushing game as well, too. David Montgomery came back for 13 carries, 63 yards. Not bad. And Cole Komet, the receiving leader of the night, 87 yards. Now, these stats being good, they mean nothing to me right now. We're going to talk about Justin Fields and what he did and why he's getting so much better. The offensive play calling is much better. And there was a reason why they were in that game. Let's be honest. It, it definitely was. And that was a lot due to the offense coming alive. Uh, and that defense at least keeping them in the game somewhat, but the offense really stood out to me the most. Now, guys, I wish we could do some film review right now because I wish you guys could see in person what I'm talking about here because I'm about to go into what Justin Fields did that just wowed me. And it's it's so much better to see it in, in person. But anyways, hopefully my explanation can 
be enough for you guys to understand what I'm talking about here. So there were three throws, three throws that were phenomenal. Maybe not phenomenal, two phenomenal, one good. Okay. And if we're going back to last episode where I was talking about Sam Donald and I said this, I said the interceptions were so bad because of his form, his technique, and the way he threw it, it was just not there. So the kind of throw that I'm talking about here is what is known as uh, throwing against the grain, throwing across your body. So in, in this case, Fields is a right-handed kind of guy, right-handed, same as uh, Sam Donald. Both of them roll into their left, and they're throwing across their body to complete a pass that should be much more easier to complete when you're rolling to your right and throwing, you know, on your right-hand side of the field. Um, but it's so tough to do that if you don't have the proper technique. Now, I said that the reason why Sam Donald had those two horrendous picks was because, one, his feet weren't set, his hips weren't flipped, and two, um, well, actually, that's, that's two right there. Three, he threw the ball late. Now, these kind of throws are confidence throws. They really are. Let's be honest here. Because the, not every quarterback can do this. Not every quarterback can do this. I have to say this one more time. Not every quarterback can make these kind of throws consistently, at least. Consistently. So when you're doing it, it looks phenomenal. It's hard to do. It's, it's, it looks easy, but it's so hard to do. Now, the first throw. Fields is flushed out the pocket, right? And he's 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 flushing to his his left. Um, he flips his hips, he plants his feet just enough, plants his feet, and he delivers a strike to Cole Komet for 27 yards. Now that was the first instance. Okay. Second instance was much more harder to do. He, you know, look at the situation, look where, where they're at. He's backed up in his own end zone. And I guess you could say the fact that Allen Robinson was wide open on that play made it much more easier. But still, the technique by Fields was just immense when I was watching. It was I was blown away by him doing it as a rookie, too. He was able to not set his feet on this play, but because he flipped his hips just enough, just enough to be able to get the ball to Allen Robinson, who was wide open. But, you know, even though he's wide open, doesn't mean that he's going to get the ball. Let's be honest here, people. Fields can miss that throw. It could be short. It could be overthrown like Sam Donald did on Sunday. Um, but he flipped his hips just enough, delivered the pass to Allen Robinson, 17-yard gain. Great. And now the best throw of the night. Now, remember what I said about these throws being confidence throws? The best throw of the night. The go-ahead, um, touchdown, put your team up by one type of throw right here. Listen, roll into your left. Throwing against the grain, against the grain once again. The confidence, same technique. The confidence to be able to flip your hips, not really plant your feet on that one, but he flipped his hips just enough, and he delivered a strike. Had some air in it, had a little bit of air in it, but he delivered a nice pass to the corner of the end zone to Darnell Mooney and put the Bears up by one. Now, I say this all to say that that is something that I just did not see coming from Justin Fields with simple mechanics. Not really simple, but it's 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 hard mechanics, but it's simple for a QB that he needs to know how to do. And the fact that he's doing it right now says a lot. And the fact that Sam Donald still doesn't know how to do that consistently is what's really struggling in my mind. I don't know how he's doing it. But anyways, you know, I thought that he played phenomenally well that night and Justin Fields has arrived. Justin Fields has arrived, guys. He he has. He has. Um, so good for them. And, you know, the blunders, once again, the that caused them to lose the game. There was the pick that turned into uh, seven points, and it was 14-0 in the hole for them. Um, Jakeem Grant fumbles on the kick return. That was terrible. And then Boswell covers recovers that kick return. Can you believe the kicker covers that? That's crazy. And then the flag that we're all talking about here, the flag that should not have been thrown for taunting. I don't really get it sometimes, man. NFL officials need to stop this nonsense because the guy who threw the flag is an experienced referee. And somehow, some way, he throws that flag. There needs to be some training happening for the NFL officials right now. Seriously. When you look at that kind of play and the degree of the flag and what it meant at that moment and the timing of the flag, 
it's it's bad. It's really it's all horrendous. It's bad timing. It's bad thrown. Because what happens if the Bears don't get the ball back and score? Then the game is pretty much over. What happens if the Steelers use that opportunity to drive down the field and at least score a touchdown, a field goal, whatever the case may be? And now it's a whole different ball game. You know, it's a whole different ball game. So it's good in hindsight that that thrown flag didn't come to bite the Bears. But still, you got to understand, man, this guy got signed up from the practice squad, you know, to the 53-man roster. He comes, he makes an exciting, great play on Big Ben, right, especially at a crucial time, a crucial time. And somehow, some way, he doesn't say a word to the, to the Steelers' sideline, to the bench, uh, to the, the, the kicker, the punt returner, doesn't matter who was over there. He doesn't say a word to any of them. And yet, he gets called for taunting? That's insane. It really is. And you look at the ref. If you watch the video closely, you see the ref bump him. I mean, what is that? That's nonsense right there. So he he, he had it out for him. Let's be honest. He, he, he had it out for him. That was a terrible call. It really was. But once again, it didn't come to bite the Bears. The only issue I had is that it's it's a recurring issue that we have seen as fans that needs to be stopped. And the officials should have a meeting and NFL should have a word with these uh, NFL referees because there needs to be a training regarding, listen, in this situation right here, if the player demonstrates excessive, excessive action towards another opposition or the, uh, the other side of the, of the, um, the sideline, you know, the other team for that matter, then you throw the flag. If not, there should be no reason why, a flag should be thrown in that situation. It shouldn't be. It should not be at all. But anyways, going back to this game, Steelers drive down, score a go-ahead field goal, and the biggest play of that drive was the busted coverage that the Bears gave up to Deontay Johnson that had him go for a 22-yard catch and run. And after that Boswell field goal, Bears make their little comeback. They get down to about, you know, a 65-yard field goal. And Santos kicks it dead in the middle, but he doesn't have enough leg. He doesn't have enough leg to get the ball. I think it comes short or it hits the hits the post and bounces out, but it's too short. Oh my goodness, what a way to end the game. It really was. But a nice, much needed victory for the Steelers and for the Bears. There's a moral loss here. It's a it's a it's a moral, it's a moral loss. Uh, because they played good on the road. The Steelers were 18-0 coming into that game. Now, that doesn't mean anything. At standpoint, you had a rookie quarterback playing in his first national televised game in the NFL, comes in on the road, plays phenomenal, makes some great throws that I just talked about earlier on, and he gave you guys a chance to win the game. Now, a couple plays here and there maybe would have gave you guys the game. You never know. And even all, despite all of that, they still came down to a short 65-yard field goal. If it was probably Justin Tucker, that would have been good. But, you know, that's, that's not a shout-out to Boswell. I'm not, not Boswell. Santos as a kicker, he had his best try, and it was it was close. It really was close. But in the end, the Steelers coming away with the victory, and they now improved to 5-3. and three. Now, let's get into some exciting news, some really, really exciting news right now. We are, as it stands, through week nine, halfway through the season. And week 10 is about to start uh, on Thursday with the Steelers, sorry, not the Steelers, the Ravens and the Dolphins kicking us off for that matchup of the week. But we're going to go over the playoffs right now. The playoffs, I you guys should get excited for this because there is a lot to talk about with it comes to who is vying for a playoff spot, which teams are serious, which teams are not. And who I think are going to make the playoffs for this year, especially with the rest of the games coming up, half of the season coming up. Um, so let's give you guys a quick update right now. So we have the best team, in my opinion, so far in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans at 72. Uh, they they own the first round by right now. The Ravens, six and two, divisional leaders. Divisional leaders in the AFC West, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills at five and three. Now, the wild card teams at five and three tied. You have the Las Vegas Raiders and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And at that that seventh spot, 
the New England Patriots at five and four, but they have a four-way tie. Actually, sorry, five-way tie at five and four between the Patriots, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, and the Denver Broncos of all teams. And last but not least, I'm going to include this team in the playoff race because they're just a game behind uh, these uh, wild card teams, but they have a shout. They really do. The Indianapolis Colts, they have a good shout. They have a good shout. Now, when you look at this whole outlook, I'm going to actually give my predictions really quickly before I get into this diagnosis of what's to come in the future. So I got the Raiders, the Browns, and the Patriots making the playoffs as a wild card teams. In the AFC as it stands, through week nine, five of the AFC wild card teams are in the top 10, the top 10 guys for the hardest remaining schedule in the league. That's the Chiefs, the Browns, the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Raiders. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to actually rescind it, rescind my offer (laughs) for what I said. Now, on No Huddle, I believe a couple of weeks ago, I said that the Chiefs would make it to the playoffs, that they would turn everything around, that they would figure out the whole offensive scheme, and they wouldn't play better on defense, but at least the offense would look much more better and they would start being able to outscore opponents and win games. But what has happened since then has been very, very uninspiring. The Chiefs, for me, had a home game against the Giants, and they barely beat them, okay? And I get the Giants play hard. They play, they play, you know, a controlled, organized style of football, even though they are a bad football team. Um, but at home, that should be a bigger result for the Chiefs. Now, they played the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. And despite them winning that game, one play here, one play there. If Aaron Rodgers plays that game, the Chiefs may lose it. And they it's a whole different conversation. The Chiefs own the hardest schedule remaining in the NFL as it stands right now. Now, when you look at their, their upcoming matchups, it's not it's not looking too good. It's it's really not. <laughs> it's really not. Okay. So you have them playing as the Raiders. I think I see that as L. Cowboys. Mm. Broncos who are playing much better. Raiders again at home. Chargers, who I expect to hold on to the to the division uh, as it stands right now. Steelers, Bengals, Broncos. That's tough. That is tough. That is tough. And I'm not sure. Listen. If the Chiefs played in much more dominating fashion against these last two opponents, considering the things that were at stake, I would have definitely been inclined to give them the much more support that it's needed to beat these teams. But I just don't believe it. I don't. I, I can't see how it happens. I really can't. So they have for the Chiefs. I'm not too sure on how they do things. But right now, as it stands, they are still in the race and they are still tied for, you know, the seventh spot in the AFC uh, seedings for a playoff spot. Now, moving on to uh, the Browns. You see, the Browns, for me, I believe in the Browns. I really do. I see the Browns, and I say they have pressure that is built on them that I think they will rise to the occasion with, okay? And you can see how much – it's only one game, but you see how Baker has played against a team that he needed to win against, by the way, on the road, too, as well. Um, and I actually picked them to lose that game. But you saw how he played efficient. He played great. The running game was effective. The defense made some key plays. And to be honest, on any day when the defense is playing up to its name and the Browns are playing up to its name, they could be the best team in the AFC. Let's not keep like let's not forget that, guys. They can be the best team in the AFC. They are just too inconsistent. It really is a disappointing factor to them in their game. Inconsistency is key for them. I'm not sure what it is, but the Browns, I do expect them to rise to the challenge. And listen, next week they have a tough matchup against the Patriots. I love that matchup, man. Two, five, and four teams battling out. Um, even though the Browns do have a tough schedule remaining, uh, I see them playing the Lions, the Ravens twice. It's going to be two tough games. The Raiders, the Packers, the Steelers, and the Browns. Uh, sorry, the Bengals. Um, once again, that is a very tough slate to go against, especially for the remainder of the season. But if it's one team that I think can rise to that occasion, it's definitely the Browns right now. It, it definitely is the Browns. Now, um, we have next the Raiders. The Raiders. So, 
the reason why I picked the Raiders to be a playoff team this year is because despite everything that's going on with their whole team, the whole organization, they are rising to the challenge for the most part. And even last week when they lost to the Giants, I feel like they should have won that game to give themselves a, a much big boost to compete for a division title. It's still in play, though. Let's be honest. It's still in play. They're tied at 5-3 and three with the Chargers, so it definitely can still happen. But I picked the Raiders because they're a good football team, in my opinion. They are. I mean, they've been playing good. The defense has been playing uh, solid enough. Defense line has been getting some cons- good, consistent pressure. Uh, Max Crosby looking nice. You know, Carl Nassib looking nice. I love it. Okay, Yannick Ngakwe is coming back to form. So all these factors are working for them. And you still have Derek Carr. You still have him making some good throws. I think he just had one bad week where you could say, listen, he's been playing good all season long. He had one bad week, and they were still within a touchdown to win the game. Okay, and that was also due to them not being able to take care of their business in the red zone. But the Raiders, for me, uh, I think they have a win against the Chiefs at home. The Bengals, the Cowboys, Washington, and and the Chiefs again. The Browns, the Broncos, the Colts, and last but not least, the Chargers at home. So it's very doable. It is very doable. And I think, once again, that similar to the Browns, this is a team to rise to the occasion. It really is. It really is. And so far, it's been proving me wrong. Um, I said early on this season that they would just somehow, someway spiral out. They would spiral out, and they wouldn't look the same that that they did when they were 3-0. Well, they're still looking the part to me. And now that they look the part, it's time for them to take hold of an AFC spot for the wild card. Now, moving on, we have the Patriots. It pains me to say this, to be honest, but the Patriots are playing some good football. Now, they have the 15th hardest schedule in the league as a stance, but, I mean, that's pretty much average. You know, like, they're playing average teams, teams that are going to be uh, around the 500 mark. Uh, so looking at their schedule, they're doing okay when it comes to who they're going to play uh, for the rest of the uh, season. But I like the way that, that they play football. And in regards to Mac Jones, he's not a guy who's going to wow you. And that has been evident so far this season, but he's managing the game well. And that's how they want him to do so. You know, like he's put in a system where they're giving him opportunities to make the right reads, the right throws, and to just move the ball enough for them to score points, as well as let them play great defense. Play great defense and win the game. That's it. Do whatever you can to win the game, and you have yourself a win. That's all you got to do for the Patriots, and they have been doing a good job at that. And I believe they have won three straight. So, once again, this matchup between the Browns is a crucial matchup, especially at home. If they can find a way to win that game, it's looking really up for the Patriots. I'm not seeing them as a a contender for the AFC East title because I still do believe that the Buffalo Bills are a better team and they've just been playing some kind of uninspiring football the past couple of weeks. I mean, the Buffalo Bills don't really run the football well, but they don't even try. (laughs) You know, they don't even try at all. But the Patriots haven't played the Buffalo Bills yet. So whenever they do play the Bills, We'll get we'll get a, a much more needed answer as to who this team really is when they play against some good competition. But they did have some good wins against the Chargers. Uh, they were in a close one against the uh, uh, the Cowboys, and now for the rest of the season is the Browns, the Falcons, the Titans. It's going to be a tough one right there. The Bills twice. The Colts, who should be in the running for uh, AFC Wild Card spot. The Jaguars and Dolphins as they round it out. So somehow, some way. If the Patriots are in this kind of fight to the end and they're just there, but they're not quite there, they have a chance at home to defeat the Jaguars and a chance to defeat an already bad football team in the Miami Dolphins, who, by the way, beat them week one, but it's a much different kind of Patriot team. And it's a very much different Dolphins team at this point. So, and I do expect them to be much different teams heading into that week. So we'll see how that goes, but the Patriots are looking good right now. So I got the Raiders, I got the Browns. I got the Patriots making the playoffs as wild card t- seeded teams. Now, when you look at the other teams so far, the teams that that miss out: the Colts, the Bengals, um, the Steelers. It's 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 tough. The Broncos, you know, 
for the Broncos, we'll start off with the Broncos. This team has a chance to be in it. It really does. And let's be honest, people, the Broncos are still uninspiring to me, even though they had a really, really great victory against the Cowboys on the road. And let's not forget about that. But up until that point, they were struggling to beat teams who had a winning record. That's a big issue for me. And on top of that, we have the Broncos um, and the rest of the schedule. They have an easier schedule than most of these teams. But I, I don't trust them. I just don't. Which is why I say, you know, they'll still be in the running. They may be a team that's competing for that seventh seed, but, you know, here and there, I, I just can't see how the Broncos pull it off unless somehow, way, they prove me wrong. They play more consistently. I mean, they have the, the uh, they have the Eagles at home. They have a divisional matchup against the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Lions. So if they can find a way to win these two games or at least win three of these games, then I could, I could see a Broncos team making the playoffs this year. I really could. But for right now, I, I don't believe it. Um, and as far as the rest of the schedule goes, the Lions, the uh, the Bengals, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs at home. So we will see what this Broncos team is made up of. Are they pretenders, which I think they are, or are they actually contenders for an AFC wildcard spot? And the Steelers, for me, listen, a much, much needed victory against the Bears. I That was a good win. It really is. Considering how the Bears play, that was a good win. But you look at the Steelers and how they've been playing all season long. It's been scrappy. It's been kind of slow on offense. It's been kind of sloppy here and there. And they played a team in the Bears that they've been doing that all season long. So, you know, it it was kind of matched, evenly matched. But for the Steelers, the reason why I'm not a a big believer in that kind of style is because it's not going to be able to be sustained for, for, you know, a long period of time. And I look at the Steelers – I'm not really surprised at how they were able to win some of these games here and there because of how sloppy they've been playing. But on the other hand, how sloppy the other teams have been playing, they have the Lions next week. So that should be a win for them, hopefully. But the Chargers on the road, the Bengals on the road, they have the Ravens at home. Vikings, who have been playing some hard-nosed football, had a couple of terrible losses here and there, but they've been in every game so far, let's be honest. Um, the Titans, one of the best AFC teams. Uh, the Chiefs, it's not really that good of a matchup for the Chiefs anyway. It doesn't really matter. But the Browns and the Steelers, too. So I'm not too sure if the Steelers could pull this out. I really I really can't see how it happens. But so far, they are 5-3. and three. They're in the playoff hunt, so they have a chance. Every team has a chance. But can they do it? I don't think they will. You look at the, at the Bengals, and once again, I was so quick to crown this team as a good team, which they are, but I was so quick to crown them as a great team, which they aren't, (laughs) you know? And the Bengals, they had so many opportunities. I'm talking about back-to-back weeks, back-to-back weeks of opportunities to separate themselves from the pack. I mean, listen, my team beat them. I was happy. I was ecstatic. But let's be honest, people. They should have beat us at our home. They should have just scrapped us. So that's a missed opportunity right there. And you come home against... Your division foes, your your state foes, and you lose, you get blown out in that game. I don't like what Bengals team am I going to see here? Am I going to see a dominant Bengals team that I saw in Baltimore, or a Bengals team that was consistent in winning and beating up against the bad teams, or am I going to see a team that's going to just, you know, spiral out and not do what they're supposed to do? Now they have some talent; they really do on offense. Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and you know, one bad week that doesn't exclude what he's been doing so far. Jamar Chase, you also have Joe Mixon on the running game. The defensive line has been playing good. The secondary has been okay. But sometimes they've been playing down to the competition. And also other times they've just been playing terribly bad. So I, I same as the Broncos, I, I don't know what I'm going to get with the Bengals. I really don't. And I want to believe in this team, but I just can't. And as far as the... The rest of the schedule goes, the Raiders, the Steelers, the Chargers, 49ers, the Broncos, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Browns away from home. So, you know, that Browns game, assuming that the Bengals somehow, someway are in this playoff hunt, okay, they're somehow, someway in this playoff hunt, and they need to go to the Browns. I mean, it's not really that far from where they live anyways, but 
they need to go to a, a stadium filled with Browns fans, I assume, uh, and plot a result against them. I don't see how that happens. I don't. I just don't. So listen, guys, um, it's going to be tough for these AFC wildcard teams. Let's actually talk about the Colts really quickly, man. The Colts, for me, the Colts have a chance. They do have a chance. Once again, they are in the predicament as the Denver Broncos and as, um, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, where they're kind of inconsistent here and there, but more so with the Denver Broncos. The Colts have a schedule where I feel like they could make some noise, man. They they could make some noise. They own actually not really. I'm just I'm joking. <laughs> but because they're, in my opinion, are a good football team, they have the 13th hardest schedule remaining in the league as it stands right now. But because of who they are and how better they've been playing over the past couple of weeks, I'm much more inclined to give this team a, a better shout than some of these other AFC teams. I really am. So next week, they have the Jaguars at home. Should be back to 500 back then. And then you have a tough matchup against the Bills, the Buccaneers, the Texans, uh, the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Raiders, and last but not least, the Jaguars. So Jaguars should be two wins right there. It should be. It, it automatically should be. Texans as well, too, should be a win right there. So now you're what you're you're that's four wins, so that's seven to five right there. Okay. Um, you have a Patriots game at home, which is gonna be a 50-50 toss-up for me. The Cardinals may not be a win for you guys. The Raiders, again, another 50-50 toss-up for me at home, too. And the Buccaneers at home. I mean, if you could play up to your competition, that could be a toss-up as well, but I don't see it happening. And the Bills on the road. If the Bills find a way to wake up and run the football better, at least try and play back to what they were playing as, you know, in the beginning of the week of the seasons, for that matter, um, then that'll be an L. But listen, the, the Colts have a chance. They have a chance. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but they have a chance. They do. They definitely do. Now, there you have it for my uh, prediction for the rest of the season. I do believe that as it stands right now, um, the only change I can see happening as far as the divisional leaders is AFC West title Chargers and Raiders fighting for that, that, that last title. Um, because I think that the Tennessee Titans, the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills have it locked down kind of in my opinion, but if the Raiders can find a way to make things happen, that division is up for grabs. It really is. But I do believe that the Chargers are playing much more better and playing behind Justin Herbert, who by the way has, Try to remind people in recent weeks that, listen, we had a little slump here and there, but don't forget about me now, man. Don't forget about me. And I, I do believe that the, that the Chargers will be able to hold on to that division. Now, moving on to the NFC, we have the Cardinals at 8-1, and one, best team in the league. Uh, we, made, we made Packers at 7-2. The Buccaneers and Cowboys at 6-2 and two in their division. Now, to be honest, let's be honest, people. I mean, this is a 5 way uh race for a first round buy between the Cardinals, the Packers, the Bucks, the Cowboys, and the Rams, who are also as a stand seven and two. Now you see that four five of those uh seeds are gonna be locked up. The Saints for me are the best of the rest in the in the conference as it stands right now. So when I look at the Saints and I see they're five and three, Trevor Simeon is playing well. And let's, you know, for Saints fans, let's calm down because he's playing well. He's doing his job. And they actually had a chance to win that game. He just had a defense that kind of led up in that last drive. And it was some good brilliance by Matt Ryan and Cordell Patterson to hook up for that 64-yard completion and set up the game-winning field goal. But aside from that loss, they've been playing well. They have been playing well. So give credit where credit is due. And also, you never know, Odell Beckham Jr. could come back home. You never know what could happen, man. So he could probably give you guys that boost to make it to the playoffs, but we will see what happens in the future. So, but I do think the Saints will uh, hold down that sixth spot. And now he comes the seventh spot and it's basically a race between these scrub teams. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you have the Falcons at four and four, the Panthers at four and five, the Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers at three and five. Okay. And, the Eagles are three and six, but I don't really count them in right now, to be honest. It's kind of the yeah, Eagles are kind of not a team that I see making it to the playoffs. But they have a chance though, based on record, but it's nah, I don't see it happening. So 
I'm going to already eliminate some of these teams that I feel like are just spiraling out of control and are losing momentum as the year goes on and are not looking too good. And that is the Carolina Panthers and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the Panthers, you had a chance, man. You had a you had a great chance. You had a great chance. You were 3-0. and Even though people had question marks about your team, you were still 3-0. and And you should have did much more better in recent weeks, but you didn't. And Sam Donald has been regressing immensely. And he's now day-to-day with his injury. So, listen, the Panthers are done for me. They really are. And also, the 49ers, same same boat. They've also had a fair share of blunders here and there. And it's not mostly the teams that they're playing. It's mostly a them issue. You know, the Kyle Shanahan is not it right now. He's really not. The team is not it right now. So, I don't see these teams competing for any of the spots, even though the record says so. Now, the biggest thing comes from me is that comes from me actually right now is the Falcons. The Falcons own the 22nd easiest schedule in the league. And by the way, for those who want to know, the Panthers own the fourth hardest schedule. They're pretty much done. Like it's not happening. And the uh, 49ers own the 14th, I believe, hardest schedule in the league. Yeah, 14th hardest schedule. So, no, nah, not happening. But anyways, going back to the Falcons. Um... The Falcons are in that same boat with the Denver Broncos. Who are the Falcons? Who are they? What team am I going to get for the rest of this season? Am I going to get the team that just beat the divisional foes on the road on a game-winning field goal? Or am I going to get the team that has looked bad, uh, got outplayed by the Panthers, you know, (laughs) Um, and have just looked uninspiring throughout the whole start of the first season but listen guys i mean they have the cowboys next should be an l for me um but the patriots toss up at home i don't know jaguars should be a win buccaneers okay might be an l um the panthers again a toss up i don't know i I don't know toss up it's a toss up especially at home um where you had a chance to beat this team you didn't do that and now you're going on the road against this team I get it. The Panthers are playing some bad football, but toss up, toss up game for me. Uh, the Niners maybe should beat them. You should, you should be able to beat the Niners. The Lions should be able to beat. You should be able to beat them. The and the Bills and the Saints back to back hard games. I don't know how that's going to work out. So that seventh spot comes down to the Falcons. They obviously control their own destiny. So it's a matter of do they want it hard enough do they want it bad enough like do they want to make the playoffs because i could see the even though i did call it a couple of weeks ago i said that the seattle seahawks season is over but considering how poorly these other teams have been playing and how they haven't been able to fully establish themselves within the conference the seattle seahawks are still alive and so are the vikings so the you know the falcons do you guys want it enough how badly do you want it that's my question to you atlanta and we all know that Atlanta has been notoriously great at blowing leads, notoriously great at doing that. So once again, I would not be surprised if they did it again. <laughs> but we will see how that goes now. Uh, the Vikings own the 10th hardest schedule in the league. But good news for the Vikings fans. I don't really believe that that means anything to me. I know that they have some tough matchups coming up. I mean, they have the Chargers, the Packers. The Niners, yeah. The Lions, eh, not really. Uh, the Steelers, mm, kind of, yeah, yeah. At home though, the Bears, uh, the okay, not really. The Rams, the Packers, and the and the the Bears again. So, I say all this to say that they've been in some tough-hearted football games this season, and there was a couple of bad losses that I feel like they should have won. They should have beat the Cardinals against you know you know with that Greg Joseph missed field goal. They should have won against, um, you know, a Cowboys team that didn't have Dak Prescott. And they had a 17-3 lead on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, these are some results that if they win, they're looking at a a, a competing uh, divisional title for them and the Packers. You never know. So the Vikings, I think that they have a chance. They have a good shot right now. Either 3-5, it's tough. But uh, depending on what the Falcons do, they have a shot to at least solidify themselves as a sure contender for the seventh seed. And last but not least, the Seahawks. Now, a couple of weeks ago, 
uh, you if you told me that the Seahawks would be in the race, I would have laughed to be honest because they have been terrible, garbage, you know. But you know, and once again, when you lost to the Steelers and the Saints, you if you win those two games, you're in prime position. I'm I'm, I'm not even talking about the Falcons at, at this point. If you win those two games, you pretty much have a lock on this seventh seed because now you have Russell Wilson coming back into the fold. And it's a, it's a much different ball game. It really is. Um, but the the Seahawks are very much alive. Russell Wilson is supposed to be coming back. Um, and now you have that three-headed monster back again. Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. So we should see how that goes. But it doesn't get off on a good foot for them. Because if somehow, some way, Aaron Rodgers comes back into this fold for this game next week. Or at least this week for that matter. Uh, they face the Packers, which is going to be a tough uh, way to go into this week, especially since the last nine matchups that these two teams have faced each other, the home team has won every game, every game. So if 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 it's Jordan Love back there, that streak could possibly be broken. And maybe not, though. You never know. But if it's Aaron Rodgers, yeah, that might be an L. But looking at the whole schedule, um, uh, they, have, they own the 15th hardest schedule remaining, and they have the Cardinals. So... I look at, at it at this standpoint. If you have Russell Wilson, you pretty much can play up to the competition that you are facing. Despite how poor that defense has been this season, um, Russell Wilson can mask a lot of those deficiencies. So the Cardinals, the Washington football team, the Niners who are playing bad football, Texans, the Rams on the road, oof, the Bears, the Lions, and last but not least, we rounded off with the Cardinals away from home. So, um, it's doable. It really is. It, it comes down between these three teams, the Falcons, the Vikings, and last but not least, the Seahawks. Can these teams, uh, can one of these teams assert themselves and make it to the playoffs? Now, I actually do think that when it's all said and done, I'm going with the Vikings here because the Vikings have been in much more competitive football. They've been playing better. They just had a couple of bad losses, some tough losses, um, and I do think that the Falcons are not for real. The Seahawks, once they lose that game to Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers, they're going to put themselves in a, a much more hole for them to dig themselves out of. And on top of that, um, the Vikings, for me, are a better team than both these two teams. So that they have it right there. But, you know, as far as the divisional uh, titles go, I think it's pretty much secured at this point. I don't see the see, see the Rams and the Cardinals are different. Okay, that is another division where it's a toss up for me. Uh, can the Rams come back and take claim of that division? They possibly could, uh, depending on what the Cardinals do. But I'm not too sure. I do expect the Cardinals to somehow, some way. I mean, it's still early though. They have nine more weeks left, so it's not really early, but it's still some time left in the season. Um, but I'm gonna be safe here and go with the Cardinals to have that division settled on. And the Green Bay Packers, no competition over there. The Buccaneers, I mean, the Saints have been playing well, but the Buccaneers right now are looking in good fashion. And the Cowboys, obviously no competition there. So there you have it. There you have it. There you have it right there for the wild card positions for both conferences. And hopefully, guys, we can see if I was right or wrong regarding this. But anyways, let's move on to some predictions and some previews for a Thursday night football on NBC. Oh, my goodness. So, Ravens and Dolphins. Ravens, message to you guys. Take care of business, please. Please take care of business. What do you got? Like, don't do any nonsense. Can you believe, guys, that both these two teams give up an average of 280 passing yards per game? That's garbage. <laughs> that is garbage. It really is. But a big boost for the Ravens. Nick Boyle may be ready to get his first snap of the season. Nick Boyle, if you guys don't know who, if you guys haven't seen Nick Boyle, if you don't know who he is, man, this guy is so underrated. It's not even funny. It really is underrated kind of guy. Listen, he's up there with Hughes check. He, he is that good. And he's physical. He's a good blocker. He fits who what the Ravens want to do when it comes to the running game, which is why if he does play, it bodes really badly for the Dolphins and the Ravens. I sound like a broken record here, but I'm going to say this once again. Run the football, run the football, run the football. Do what you do best when it comes to the offensive game plan. And the Dolphins' defense has been trashed this whole season. 
not really good at stopping anything so far, pass or rushing the football. Uh, so Tua to, to lower. Um, he is day to day questionable for the game. Does that mean more Jacoby Brissett? I mean, last week he had a team that had five turnovers last week. So does that mean we get to see more turnovers? <laughs> we don't know, but we'll see what happens. But for the Dolphins, mix it up, please. Mix it up. Do some things differently. You know, I want to see Jalen Waddle in space against this supposedly man coverage that the Ravens will play on Thursday night football. Okay. I want to see the Dolphins go for it. Have some trick plays here and there. Have some screens. Throw this defense off guard because they're expecting you to throw short. You know, they're expecting you to try and get things going with the running game. That's just not going to work at all. So have some gadget plays. Have some things that's going to catch them off guard and open up the whole offense game plan to at least making the game competitive. Now for the Ravens, it's simple. Run the football. And obviously you have Byron Jones and Isaiah Howard who have not been playing the best football this season. But um, I do expect them to kind of take away everything on the sidelines in hopes of forcing things through the middle, which means more Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, more Mark Andrews. Listen, I don't believe in the Dolphins linebacking corps at all, and he should be able to exploit that team through the middle anywhere you line them up at. So it doesn't really matter for that. But the Ravens, I say, win this game 31-14, especially if Tua plays. I think it's going to be the same result. Actually, no. If Tua plays, plays, it's going to be much more of a shootout because of how poorly these two teams have been in, you know, pass coverage. It's not good at all. And even though the Ravens have some good athletic linebackers and they do have Marlon Humphrey back there, it's been underwhelming this season. But I still do expect the Ravens to take care of business and to get the job done. They need to get the job done because if they don't, you lose to one of the worst teams in the AFC. That is a major game. And you suddenly let the whole, the whole entire division back into the race. So message to the Ravens, take care of business, please. Take care of business on the road and get your win. Get your much needed rest. Come back next week and do the same thing. So, We'll see how that goes, but they should be able to to take care of business against the Dolphins. Now, moving on to some nice, nice NBA score lines. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, to give you guys some uh, background information as to what happened uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes, sir. All right. So the team that has been shorthanded throughout the whole entire season, somehow, some way, goes to a team that was also shorthanded, <laughs> a team that was also missing some key players, and they beat him. Okay, so I guess you could say it, it was balanced out. But Giannis leads the Bucks to an 118-109 to win against the Philadelphia 76ers, led by his 31 points. Uh, Grayson Allen had 25 points. Could you believe that, man? This guy has been playing good all season long, and he definitely is, especially when Chris Middleton comes back into the fold. He is definitely giving himself some minutes for the bench rotation. So that's good for him. And also, Bobby Portis had 19 points. Good for him. Um, I said this before last episode. He's been playing well. He played phenomenal last night. Tyrese Maxey, 31 points. Five rebounds, four assists. Great night for him. Great night. 50% shooting. Good for him. That was a good production. And he also has some help, too. Uh, Shea Milton, 20 points. Andre Drummond, 17 points. But in the end, the Bucks get the win on the road. A much-needed victory for them because they have been falling off the curve in the East for a while now. And we all know that when the Bucks are fully healthy, they're still one of the best teams in the East. But listen, it, the more losses you accrue without the, your, your star players, the more tougher it gets for you to get back into, into relevancy. But moving on, the Jazz take care of business against the Hawks on at home. Uh, the Hawks fall to four and eight, who have not been playing good at all this season. I'm not sure what's going on. And was last season an aberration? Was last season an, an anomaly? Like we have to ask these questions because the Hawks are at full strength. Everyone played: John Collins, Trey Young, Solomon Hill, Clint Capella, Kevin Herter, Danilo Gallinari, Cam Reddish, Lou Williams. I mean, you are losing. You you are missing. Bogdanovich, but still, 
the whole season has been mostly their squad healthy and they have been playing not good at all. <laughs> you know, Trey Young, 27 points, Kevin Herter, 28 points, pretty good for him. Cam Reddish off the bench, 16 points, uh, six man of the year candidate, but still it was a tough matchup going into the season already with them facing the Utah Jazz, but they have been playing bad basketball so far this whole entire year. I mean, it's still early. It's still really, really early. Like, we haven't cracked the, the point where we can start pushing the panic button just yet, but they are now 4-8, and eight, and the Jazz improved to 8-3. and three. Moving on, the Clippers get the win on the on. Sorry, I, I, see, I keep saying on the road. I don't know why. But they get the win at home against a Blazers team that had just won uh, I believe was it two straight. So yeah, two straight against the Lakers and the Pacers. Now the Clippers playing some good basketball. They really have. The past couple of games have been good for them. And on top of that, the whole starting lineup had production. The whole starting lineup. I love it about them because what I what did I say last episode regarding the Clippers? Until Kawhi comes back, you need Paul George to pretty much do what he does at a, at a, an efficient level. And also get help from your supporting cast. And everyone chipped in. Nick Batum, 22 points. Zubak, 11 points. Richie Jackson, 23 points. Eric Bledsoe, 11 points. Paul George, 24 points. Listen, and that's all with them shooting efficiently, too. As a team, they all shot 53% from the three, 51% in total. That's excellent. That is phenomenal. So, good win by them. And now, guys, let's get into our rapid predictions for tonight's matchups, listen, ESPN has a good matchup. Let's get it. Uh, so, first matchup on ESPN, we have the Pistons and the Rockets. Oh, my gosh. What is that? That is not a good matchup. I lied. <laughs> Yo, what is that? <laughs> but, all right. So, I'm not going to do too much explaining here. I'm just going to go with who I think is going to win for tonight's matchup based off of what I've seen so far this season and who's home at least. Ah. <sighs> Two one and eight teams, two one and nine teams, one, one win teams basically. Oh gosh. Okay, I guess it's a matchup between Jalen Green supposedly and Kate Cunningham. I've got the Pistons winning that game. Um, Heat and Lakers bounce back win for the Heat. Listen, guys, I don't want you to think that I'm biased with my team and me picking them every week, every game, every night. But I really do think that the Lakers are not that good right now, and we're catching them at a good time because they're playing inconsistent. And also, I was definitely wrong about that Denver pick, by the way. They just took us apart. And I don't want to get into the the whole, uh, you know, event, the whole topic of Nicole Jokic shoving Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, sorry, after he shoved him with a hard foul. But a quick take on that. Um, yes, I do agree that, that a dirty play deserves another dirty play. Um, and in this instance, you have to protect yourself. So I understand Jokic, but it was kind of a little bit too sexist for me. Like it was a little too much for me. It really was. Um, but once again, I'm not going to be biased here. Markeith Morris, that take foul was just the way it was. It was unnecessary. It really was. But in the whole grand scheme of things, we do play them in a couple of days. So there's built up tension that I do expect to see on that court. When we go back to Miami, but for right now, I got the Heat beating the Lakers, which is in Cavaliers, a good matchup. That is a good matchup right there. Cavaliers at home. Cavaliers, Cavaliers. Nets and Magic, I'll go Nets. Mm, Raptors and Celtics. Hmm. I'll go go Raptors. I'll go Raptors. Bucks and Knicks, another good matchup. I think the Bucks get some revenge here. I really do. I think the Bucks come back and beat the Knicks. Yeah, I'll go Bucks here. Um, Mavericks and Bulls. I've got the Bulls. 273 teams. That's a good matchup. Um, the Hornets and Grizzlies. I've got hmm, the Hornets, actually. I got the Hornets winning this game. I do. The Thunder and Pelicans. Two bad teams. Thunder. Give me, give me the Thunder. Yeah, give me the, th- the Thunder. Um, Kings and Spurs. I got the Spurs winning. Listen, the Spurs, for me, like, they've been playing some good basketball this season. They just had a couple of heartbreaking losses, one or two plays that could have gone the other way. I like the Spurs. I, I, I really do like the Spurs. I really do. Nuggets and Pacers without Nikola Jokic. Hmm, give me the Pacers. Yeah, give me the Pacers. Trailblazers and Suns. Trailblazers and Suns. Ooh, I'll go with the Suns here. 
Suns. Yep. And last but not least, Warriors at home against the Timberwolves. Give me the Warriors. They were improved to 10 and 1. Now, guys, there you have it. And now, once again, a great episode of Sports Talk. And surprisingly, I wasn't able to ramble on for 30 minutes more. Surprisingly, I'm at an hour and five minutes and counting. 20, 21. 22. Side down. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyways, um, but um, guys, a great, great episode. Um, once again, let's continue to support the brand Game Breakers. Support my guy, Will. Support me as well because, listen, man, your support is what's going to catapult us into greatness and success. We cannot do this without you guys, so hopefully we continue to get better as a unit, get better in whatever you want to do in life, and your hard work will reap reap the success you know so we'll see how that goes in the future but anyways support mbs read the articles watch the videos the shows listen to the podcast game breakers all that nonsense and great stuff not nonsense but all that great stuff you know and once again it is your boy your handsome guy eddie and i am out see you guys next episode